I looked up and, and I thought, you know, I wonder, sometime I'm going to do a study on preaching. And, uh, and I just looked at a few scriptures because I, I know that, you know, what it says about that the Word of God is for a rebuke, reproof, uh, correction, exhorting, training in righteousness. And then he goes on and he says, reprove and rebuke and all these things for uh, there come a time where they'll not endure sound doctrine. And, and I looked at all the different places about preaching. And, and preaching in not one place has the objective to really, and I couldn't hardly believe this when I read it, to encourage or make you happy. It's doing the word is what causes that. See, it's, it's very interesting, and, and I'd never really noticed that. I never, I, I never really thought, well, I should do a study just on what preaching is supposed to be comprised of and the effects preaching is supposed to have. And it's to convict, it's to instruct, it's to train, it's to reprove, it's to rebuke, it's to correct, is to keep you sound by sound doctrine. But nowhere does it say that preaching is to even encourage or, or make happy or, or, or give joy. Those things all come later as a result of doing what's right in the word. You know, some people go, well, I just, I just need to be lifted up by the message. I just need to be, see, and, and, what, and what that is, it's an entitlement thing, like it's your responsibility to lift me up. No, it's your responsibility to do the word, and that will lift you up. Can I get an amen? See, this, this is where a lot of people miss it. They don't understand that it, the stronger the preaching, the more that you become disciplined, the more you become disciplined, the more joy you'll have in your life, because he who lacks discipline despises himself. That's what it says in Proverbs. But he who has discipline is well, you know, I'm going to paraphrase this, is just very pleased with your life because it's lined up with God. So you can't get happiness from something someone says. You get true happiness from something you do. Can I get an amen? And, and I, did a, I did a study on happiness, and happiness really, is, it's an amazing thing as you look through all the things, you know, we think happiness comes from you know, people liking us. But in, in Peter it says that when the, to the degree that they were rejected or, or rejected of man or, or something like that was their happiness. And, and to the degree that they were persecuted, they were happy. And, and I'll do that sermon sometime. But the whole sermon is all about, and I, and I have that sermon, and I, I made two sermons today, but, and it's all about how happiness is none of the things that you think that cause happiness. It's almost just the opposite. In the word. You can take what the world what the world says, and you can almost turn it around, and it's just the opposite that'll make you happy. And it's not how happy the sermon is that'll make you happy. It's about how much you follow the things that correct your life, and seeing the fruit of that correction and seeing your life be wonderful makes you happy. You know, you can hear all the happy you want, but if your life is rotten and you're going nowhere and you're not progressing in life, you'll never be happy. It isn't what I say, it's what you are experiencing by doing the right thing of what was said from the word. Can I get an amen? You've got, you've got to understand that. Many churches today, uh, it's happy time in the sanctuary and depression the, 24-7 the rest of the time. Because they haven't been corrected and fixed and gone out and started doing 
and seeing wonderful results that brings the true happiness. They want a short sugar fix in the sanctuary. And so then they go back and, and they're still undisciplined, they're still undeveloped, they're still un, unsubmitted, and, and they're still unhappy. So those are things that we've got to remember by what the word of God is, its purpose. If we, if we have the wrong idea, you know, if you want entertainment, go down to the, you know, the, the comedian down at the nightclub and he'll make you happy and then you can go home and be miserable again. But the word of God is supposed to change us. Can I get an amen? And the, by the renewing of our mind. But you, you look it up and everything that talks about preaching is very different than what the culture wants out of preaching today. What the culture wants out of preaching, you know, like I said, they want the life coach and a pep talk. But I'm going to tell you something, that leaves you empty. That doesn't change you. It doesn't fix you. It doesn't build you. It doesn't fortify and edify and make you into something uh, as a result of discipline. Discipline is the only sustainable thing that there is in, in in the church and in development. Entertainment is not sustainable. Matter of fact, it's like a drug. The more you get it, the, the more extreme it's going to get. You know, it starts out with football, and it ends up with the lions eating the Christians. How many of you know that's the direction entertainment went in the, in the uh, Roman Empire? Starts out kind of a little violent, then it ends up nobody's happy. Nobody gets a kick until you're chopping off people's heads. So entertainment can go crazy. It can go nuts. And that's not sustainable. Uh... Just getting people doing things, good, good things, or, or, or just having meetings, and that's not sustainable. The word disciplining and changing us from the inside that brings discipline to prepare us for the next level that God wants to take us to, that's sustainable. That's where God wants to take our lives. So always remember that when, when you hear the preaching of the word, and it, and it will get your mind corrected as to what you need to be looking for in. It says, a wise man loves correction. In Proverbs, it says, correction is a way of life. It's the path of life, I think, is the way it says it in Proverbs. It's actually the path of life is continual correction. Well, we say, what is it? That's the renewing of our minds. The renewing of your mind is that you renew your mind by reading the Bible, and it keeps telling you you're doing everything Right? No, the renewing of our mind is correcting everything and perfecting us. Everybody say, I'm being perfected. God has sent church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And notice that perfecting and equipping are synonyms. They, they mean, you can put, it's been translated both ways, perfected. To be perfected is to be equipped, and to be equipped is really to be perfected. So let the word perfect you tonight in Jesus' name. Can I get an Amen. Be perfected Christians, not entertained Christians. And you will go much further in life. Well, tonight, my, the title of my message is, Now is the Accepted Time. And today is the day of salvation. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 6.2. Let's, we'll, we'll read out of there first. We'll go there first. And then we're going to look at some things. And... Uh, We know that scripture, we hear that all. This, this is a common scripture, commonly quoted scripture. But let me tell you something, it's very powerful. Because most people really aren't, aren't really believing it and walking in it. 2 Corinthians 6.2, and it says, 
For, the, for he saith, I have heard thee in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It really is important to live in the now. You know, people joke around and say, you know, they really live in the now. Like some people say, like my Samuel, like he really lives in the now, you know. And sometimes you're not real sure if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> and, and so, you under, you know, some people are uh, real, poof, just everything's right now. And impetuous, maybe, or, or, or they make decisions quickly and sometimes not wisely. And, or, or, but, but, there, but there's an element of our life that is absolutely supposed to be in the now. And it says, now faith is the, is the uh, substance of things hoped for. Everybody say, now faith is. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is in the right now. Because if you say, well, it's going to come to pass, you just stepped out of faith into hope. Hope believes that someday I'll get it. Faith says, no, I get it right now. And that's the only way it can be faith because if it's in the future, that just means in the natural it could come. But it takes faith to receive something you can't see. Now, it's ownership, it's title, deed, spiritually, in the right here and in the right now. That takes faith. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Because if you put it off to tomorrow, then you can put it off tomorrow the next day, and you never have to believe that you receive it if you're going to uh, wait till it comes tomorrow. See, right now, you believe that you receive it. Now, it says, Verily I say unto you, whoever shall say to the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into sea, and shall not down his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And therefore, when you pray, whatsoever things you desire, if you believe that you receive them, not going to receive them, not that it's going to happen. You believe that you receive it now, you shall have it. So that, that's the implication. So part of that is we, we need to live in the now, but many people like to live in the past. The past is exactly where the devil wants to take you. Or completely living in the future, that's where the devil wants to take you. Because the only thing that you can do anything about is right now. Even making your plans for tomorrow, you have to do those right now. Can I get an amen? You know, you, you can say, well, that's about tomorrow. That's yeah, but your planning would be that you would do that right now. Right now, you get ready for tomorrow. But everything that we can have any say in, anything that we can do, anything about, it has to be in the now. Even if it's planning for tomorrow, everything. But some people get stuck in yesterday and in tomorrow, and they're not doing anything in the right now. Ever met anybody like that? They're living in the past, and it's just like, I'm so full of sorrow and grief and, and all my hurts, and I'm going to worship my wounds here, and we'll have a pity party, and, and we're going to have a service about me, and, and all that. And there's people who live like, how many of you know people who live like that? You cannot live in the past. It is absolutely the place where the devil can clobber you and beat you up. And you really cannot live in the future, because that's, we're not there yet. We can only do things about the here and the right now. And that's why the principle of life is old things must pass away and all things must be, become new. The old has to pass away so all things can become new in the present tense. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, that is the principle of life. That is the principle of salvation. That is the principle that governs all things in your existence. And it is this. The first step is old things must pass away and the second step is so that all things can become new. And they have to pass away. The old has to pass away before 
all things can become new. Because if they're in the old and in the past, then there's no room for the new. You're going to have to dump out the water to fill up the pot, I mean, the, the, the bottle or the glass with iced tea. In other words, one has to go to make room for the other. Turn with me to Ezekiel 37 and 26. And here's a major principle of Scripture. This is a really a powerful thing. I like this verse of Scripture, but it is at the core of salvation. And as it says, now is the appointed time, or accepted time, and now is the day of salvation. Now, now. God says, right now, don't put it off. A lot of people want to wait and make excuses and never do and, and think I'll come to it later. No, now is the time for these salvation decisions and things. And you say, well, God shows me that in three years from now, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing this in my business. Well, th- then you need to start doing it right now. You need to be confessing it right now. Can I get an amen? It might be about the future, but it's in the right now that you've got to start doing things. Then will I... Sp- I'm sorry, we're in uh, Ezekiel 37, 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And how's that going to happen? Like this, 26. A new heart also will I give you. Everybody say new. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart. That's the old. For the new heart, the new spirit to come in, he has to take away the the existing stony heart, out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. And that's really what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 5.17, is that the old man, the hardened, stony heart, the sin-filled heart, the unregenerate heart, the heart that's passing away, uh, the wickedness in the heart that's exceedingly wicked, no man can know at heart, uh, has to give way to the new heart, the heart that it says in the New Testament is the new man, put on the new man, which is created after Christ in true righteousness and holiness. And the old wicked heart that is exceedingly wicked, no man can know, has to go so that the new heart that is righteousness, which is created after God in true righteousness and holiness, can come in, and where the law of God is written on that heart, because that heart also has the Holy Spirit living in it. Can I get an amen? And so there has to be a doing away of the old to enter in, to the new. And it says in Jeremiah 31 through 4, it says that his stony heart he'll take away and then he will replace it and he will forgive and forget all of their sins. So there's certain things that have to go away before we can move on to the next level. There's certain things, you know, in forgiveness, you can't, you can't think about what someone has done to you and think that you'll walk in forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act of the will and then later, a response of the emotions. The emotions respond to the act of your will. A lot of people are waiting for the emotions to come. They, they exalt emotions like the higher part of our being. And they're waiting for the feeling. And when emotions come, then there'll be an act of my will. No, get the act of your will. And then in response to that, your emotions will respond to the act of your will. And you'll start having a sense of forgiveness and feeling of forgiveness. But you have to have the act of forgiveness before you'll ever experience the feeling of forgiveness. Because, see, the other is a non-faith activity, and one is a faith activity. Forgiving is an act of your will takes faith. We walk by faith, not by feelings. Forgiving by, on the basis of, well, I feel forgiveness now, or I don't feel it yet, so I must not have forgiven them. It's like, well, who's in control of your life? Your feelings or, or you, you, the decision maker, the act of your will? 
And, and, and a lot of people are waiting for some feeling. Well, good luck! No, it has to be an act of your will. When we act on the word of God, that is faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And the will of God is known to be that you are commanded to forgive and to forget. And be like imitators of God who forgave us and forget and threw all of our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And so when we act, then our feelings respond to the act of our will and the choice we make with feelings following. So there has to be, and what is that? That's getting rid of the old unforgiveness, hurt, all this bad stuff. You're getting rid of it by forgiving them as an act of your will. So that the old pass away, so that the new can come in. Forgiveness, no more hurt feelings, no more pity party, no more worship your, you know, your wounds and, and, and live in the realm of your feelings. The new, which is better, can come when you get rid of the old and pass out of it and move on from it and leave behind the old things. Can I get an amen? amen. A lot of people live in the old, they go fishing around in the, in the sea of forgetfulness and, and pull up some really ugly monsters out of the ocean. And then they get bit by it. And they wonder, what are you doing with that thing? You need to just leave it alone. Let me put it this way. Uh, all through the Bible, there's a theme of this. Turn with me to Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. There's a continual theme of this in the scriptures. It says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Why doesn't he just say, I'll do a new thing, that what happened before is not, is, isn't going to affect you? Why does he say, remember ye not? Why doesn't he just go straight to the behold, I want to do a new thing? Can't we just bypass this thing, remember not? No, you can't. Because old things have to pass away for all things to become new. Can I get an amen? You've you got to get past some stuff, uh, and, and uh, you've you got to start getting past your past. And if you don't get your past, you know, your misery will last. So you've got to get past it. Remember ye not the former things. Now that's put in there first. And you're going to have to empty out the water to fill it up with the iced tea. Remember ye not the former things, rather consider the thing, nor consider the things of old. Good or bad. You, you just want to start with a clean slate. Behold, I'll do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you know it? Then he asks, will you, will you not know it? See, because the reason why he has to ask in a question form, will you know it? Because people that are still dwelling on the old things will never know it. Because they're too caught up in the old things. They're too consumed with the old things, and they won't let old things pass away, so behold, all things can become new. If you're living in yesteryear, uh, you, can't, you can't realize... You know, have you ever seen people who are living in the past really bad? I mean, there's some people, man, they're, they're like... like they, they're like, they ought to be in a museum. <laughs> and let me tell you something, and church people are the worst. You know, it says, come out and, and, and be separate from among them. It doesn't say be isolated from among them. They practice isolation, not separation. 
And, and then they lose touch with, with everything. And then they get, they're living in a different millennium almost. You know, they're, they're like, look like they're right out of 1976. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He'll, he'll not only do new things, but he'll make ways where otherwise there could be no way of doing it. But as long as you still think in the old, uh, the things of old, as long as you remember, instead of remember ye not the things of old, you'll never know it. Because the question is asked, shall you not know it? Will you know this? All right. So those are important things. That's, that's, a, that's a basic principle of salvation is you've got to let things go. And I can go on and on with this, and I'll give you one more. Let's go to Philippians 3, 13, and 17. And we, there's a lot of examples of this principle being articulated in the Scriptures. And when we look at Philippians, Paul says it. You know, we see the prophet saying it. And we see Paul again in another place repeating this principle. three thirteen through 17, and he says this, Brethren, I count not my life to be apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind. Why? So he can be doing the next thing and reaching forth unto those things that are before. If you, if you, if you go through life like this, how many know you're going to miss a lot of things? You're going to miss some turns? As long as you're looking back, you're going to miss some turns. You're going to have some collisions. You're not going to have a lot of hope about where you're going. You're not going to be able to have anybody guide you. You're not going to get any directions from God as long as you won't look forward and, and see where you're going in life and, and see the stoplight, see the turn, and see uh, you know, the speed limit. As long as you're looking back, you're never going to be guided by God. Can I get an amen? But forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. In other words, if you want to be perfected, think like this, guys. And if anything be otherwise minded, God will reveal it even unto this unto you. And, uh, <laughs> and if you be otherwise minded, in other words, and if you don't want to think this way, I guess God's going to have to show it to you, is what he's saying. And so it's really important that we press towards the mark of the icon. Then he says, be followers of me and and he talks about some people that don't want to do that, and we forget those things and reach on. And, you know, there's certain things that have got to occur before we can go on to the next level. And I believe that uh, Paul uh, is, is, is a great example of that. He went through some, di- how many think Paul went through some difficult things? He's beaten and left for dead. You know, he could have parked right there the rest of his life. You beat me to death. And it weren't for the grace of God, and I got resurrected and came back to life. I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, who went up to the third heaven, was shown in utterable things. And he talks all about how he left his body, went up into heaven. And he talks about how he'd been beaten and left for dead, and that he died, and he left his body, and he came back. You, know, you could just park right there the rest of your life with a whole bunch of grudges, a whole bunch of unforgiveness, and a whole bunch of feelings, right? And then he was beaten 30, with 39 stripes. He was rejected by his brethren. How many know, if anybody could have lived in their past and worshiped their wounds, it could have been Paul. But he, he, he understood, you've got to move on in life. You really have to get on to the Lord's business and forget those things that are behind and press on. And how many of you know, uh, Paul said, I finished the course, I win the prize. How many of you know Paul finished, he, he went on and he did pretty good. 
He fulfilled his call. He won, he won the prize. And, and I believe that we could learn a lot from that. God always does away with the old to make way for the new. We receive a new glorified body, but thank God we aren't going to have to pull that thing full of maggots, a dead thing laying in that grave out, and you reuse it. How many of you know you're going to be glad to get rid of your old body and get your new glorified one? How many of you know this world is going to be so screwed up, so messed up from atomic bombs and the destruction in the end times, it's just going to be good that he's going to destroy it all with fire and he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. Isn't that good to know? Do you know when you go into the Greek, it means molecularly everything will be melted down. How many of you know when you melt down uh, gold, it separates all the junk out of it? And it becomes pure gold. And everything goes back to its natural state if you heat it up enough. And gold goes back into its most perfect molecular, pristine, perfect clear, 24 karat gold when there's severe heat. How many of you know all the elements of the world will go back into their proper order when God melts this? That's literally in the Greek what he was saying when Peter wrote that. He says, this place is going to be so fried, everything will go back into its natural order. Because the natural order of, you know, gold is that the dross comes to the top and the gold settles down and it becomes very pure. So he's, how many of you are glad we're going to have a new world to live in? And a new body to live in? And a new mansion built for us? I would say that's all pretty, that's something where, you know, uh, that's, that's hope and change in the real sense of the world. Word, a new world, amen. So we, we got some really good hope and change coming. And he'll, he'll destroy the old and he'll create the new. And that's what he really does with us. How many of you know sin and death has to be destroyed? It has to be destroyed in you. The sin, and sin produces death. You know, the ways of sin is death. The sin in you and the production of death in you, or the, its producing power of producing death in you, all has to die, has to be destroyed. And the old has to pass away before the new can come in. See, this is where we get to the renewing of our minds. And it's a fundamental kingdom principle for everything, for the old to pass away and the new to become, especially in our thoughts. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, be not conformed to this world. That's the old. Everybody said, that's the old. This whole world's passing away, folks. This old way of thinking, this demonic wisdom is all going to pass away. But the type of wisdom that we have is going to only go greater and greater, and the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter every day, and we'll get smarter and smarter and wiser and wiser throughout all eternity. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. Be not conformed to this world, that's the old, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You might be able to do that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Think not more highly of yourself than you ought, but... Being transformed is the new. Being not conformed is the old, and being transformed is the new. Get rid of the old so you can receive the new. The reason the old must pass away before you can really receive the new is because the old contaminates the new. How many of you know you can't keep, you can't keep the old, you know, yesterday's crud, whatever you had in the glass, and pour some nice cold milk in, but what if there's like, a fourth of a cup of yesterday's coffee in there. Ugh. How many of you want to get rid of the old before you pour in the new? Because the old's going to contaminate the new. All of a sudden, your milk's going to turn like brown. And it's going to taste like coffee and milk and yuck. Whatever. I mean, I guess some people do put milk, you know, and they make some concoction, but you don't want yesterday's coffee in there, right? All right. 
So it, con- it contaminates the new. Number two, it'll contradict the new and make you conflicted. If you don't get rid of the old way of thinking, that stinking thinking, not only will it contaminate, but it'll contradict and it'll conflict. It'll make you conflicted on the inside. So you need to get all the junk out and you, and you need to say goodbye and be not conformed to the world. You need to shut off all the world's spigots into your head and into your life. You need to shut off the television and the, and the music and the, and the gossipy friends and, and you need to shut that all down and start getting that all out, confessing sin out and confessing word in. How do, you, how do you get crud out of you? By confession. How do you get good into you? By confession. We confess sin out. We know that, 1 John 1, 9. If we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And more importantly, and to cleanse us. Everybody say, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to get the vessel cleaned out. How do we get it cleaned out? By confessing out our sins. And then you confess the word in. And it begins to cleanse you. And wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by giving heed thereto according to thy word. You give heed by speaking it. How do I know that? Because Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and you shall have good success. You confess in life. It says, A good man has good treasures by confessing out through his mouth. Out of the treasures of a man's heart, he has good things. And an evil man, out of the wicked things of his heart, uh, comes out of his mouth bad things. That's over there like in Matthew 12, around 36, someplace. That's not in my notes. But See, you confess out sin, you clean it out, and then you put it in. How many of you know the old has to pass away? You confess out. And then the new can be made, and all things can be made new. That's where you confess in the new way of thinking the new way of living, the new way of acting. It'll con- and contaminate the new, the old will if you don't get rid of it. It'll contradict the new if you don't get rid of it. It'll oppose the new because it has a different origin and a different nature and a different purpose. One is death and one is life. Don't mix the seed. You know, in the Old Testament, how many of you know that they had, you know, one person out at the college, he made a big deal out of this. He said, uh, well, you know, the Bible doesn't make any sense, you know. It talks about you, you shouldn't have, you know, you, you're not supposed to mix, like, uh, linen and wool. And you're not supposed to mix seed. You're not supposed to mix all the things. And, and the way that you make your clothes. And, and, and I want to say, well, dummy, those are the laws of separation because they're symbolic. How many of you know you're not going to have, like, an explosion or a demon attack you because you got both wool and, and linen in your clothes? Or that's going to make you go to hell. No, the Jewish mind was so brilliant, it gave itself many ways, many laws of remembrance. And those are the laws of remembrance concerning separateness or separation. That you don't mix the Jews and the Gentiles, sinful with unsinful. You don't mix a sinful life with an unsinful life. Those are simply laws of remembrance concerning separation. And Mr. Dr. Dodo out here, teaches science or something, was, was, was railing on that like he actually knew what he was talking about and saying how the Bible didn't make any sense. Well, not to your mind, and it never will. And thank God it won't to a mind like yours. 
is not renewed. See, old things have to pass away. How about you know in Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Let that wrath pass away. Ask for forgiveness and get it fixed the night before. And all things have become, become new. Thy mercies are new every morning. There's where the old has to die and go away. You have to let the grudge die and not, don't go to bed on your wrath. Can I get an amen? Because it'll contaminate your next day. It'll conflict your next day where the mercies are new every morning. Anybody getting this tonight? See how powerful how we have to let certain things go to grasp and embrace other things? You're going to have to let certain friends go to get new good friends. You're going to have to let certain ways of thinking go before you can think right. You're going to have to leave yesterday's assignment before you can enter into today's. That's really important stuff. It's the principle of life. It's the principle of salvation. Now is the time, not living in yesterday. You've got to let yesterday go. Yesterday's manna was specifically not to be held over, but they were to go gather it every day, fresh and new. Somebody say amen. That's the old things pass away and behold, all things become new. I can go on and on about this principle in the scripture. It's so prevalent and it's so so intermingled with with all these things. You know, we're to put away sin, it says in uh, Ephesians 4 and 31. You know, a lot of people, you know, they go, well, we need to go deal with it. We need to face it. We need to dig it back up. We need to analyze it. No, you put it away. In Romans 6, 6, it says the body of sin is to be destroyed. God didn't have an argument with Lucifer in heaven. He didn't try to get him straightened out. He cast him out. He didn't try to straighten him out. He cast him out. Don't try to get some stupid thought in your head straightened out. Cast it out. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the tearing down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. How many of you know there was a casting down of Satan? He got cast down out of heaven. He didn't reason with him. He, he didn't make a deal with him. He cast him down, cast him out, threw him out. He says, you're yesterday's leader. You're yesterday's praise and worship leader around here now, dude. You're gone. Behold, all things could become new, and heaven was, was kept from total corruption because he cast him out. And so then the earth got corrupted because Adam and Eve let him in. Adam and Eve were put out of the garden. There wasn't a compromise. There wasn't some deal. Uh, they got put out. We need to separate the past from the present. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And un- usually a double-minded man is a man who wants to hold on to part of yesterday and get the benefits of, of living in today. He wants to deal with yesterday's wrong thinking and-, and-, and still get the benefit of today's right thinking. And he wants to go back and forth. He wants to visit both places. And that's why he's double-minded. That's why the Bible says, let not that man think he'll ever receive anything from God. Because you can't live in yesterday. That's why it says, remember not the former things before you can go into the new things. How many of you have gotten rid of all your old things? You know, even cleaning out your house. You know, God isn't going to bring you uh, good things when when he's told you to give some of that away to somebody. Can I get an amen? You ought to be giving some of that old stuff away to somebody who needs it because you haven't used it for three years. How many of you know there's somebody praying that uh, they wish they had the money to go buy one of those 
and it's sitting in your attic and you'll never use it. We, I believe that. I believe that. I, I tell you what, sometimes less is better. A good cleaning out, a good clearing out, mentally, physically, a lot of things. A lot of times less is better. Lighten your load and get ready for God uh, to load you daily with benefits. And go load somebody else up with some benefits, and God will use somebody else to load you up with their former benefits. Amen. I'll take somebody's used Mercedes. (laughs) And so would you. Don't look at me that way. With joy. Receiving it with joy and gladness. Amen. And thanksgiving. But anyway, so the principle is we got to let old things pass away. Behold, all things can become new. It's a way of living. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of life. And don't remember the former things. Forget those things that are behind. The former things, if you'll settle for the former things, you'll never hunger and thirst after the greater uh, things that are yet that God's waiting for you to take. If you get satisfied with the here and now and the present, uh, it's going to be real hard for God to give you the next thing because it's whatsoever things you desire. Everybody say desire. Desire drives faith. Whatsoever things you desire. If you get satisfied with the status quo, with the present, with the good enough, get along just enough uh, to get along. If you, if you get satisfied with, with uh, you know, I've got what I want. I mean, we need to learn to abase and bow, and we need to be content and all that. I understand all that. But don't be satisfied with, with today's victories. Uh, forget them and move on and ask God for some greater victories. Amen. You know, I believe this. The devil gives worldly false wisdom. And the devil will, will try to talk you into going backwards in life. How many of you ever had the devil try to talk you into going backwards? And the devil's wisdom, how many of you in James 3, 14, it talks about that there's the, the devil's wisdom, you know, this earthly, sensual, and devilish. It says this world where there's envy and strife, uh, and there's every wicked thing, and this is... The devil's wisdom with his worldly, his earthly, sensual, and devilish. And it says, but the wisdom that is from above is peaceable. It's easily entreated. And it goes down this list of things that God's wisdom, so you can delineate and you know, differentiate between the devil's wisdom and God's wisdom. And the devil's wisdom, instead of forgetting what is behind and remembering not the former days, the principle is dig up former problems. Keep track of every wrong. Remember who you used to be. Don't forget where you came from. Let me tell you something. You better forget where you came from. You came from being a child of the devil. And you got saved. Don't dig up former problems. Don't remember old offenses. Don't reopen old wounds. Don't re... uh, in, inform yourself of bad memories and mistakes. The inner healing movement of the 70s brought more people into bondage uh, than anything that, that I've ever known of. I mean, the devil, the devil didn't have to bring into bondage. All, just, just the regression therapist who, had, who was really following after Freud could bring you into enough bondage just remembering your past. Well, of course, there's a lot of job security in that if you're a psychologist. Psychiatrist. And thank God Dr. Mark, is, 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 he denounces Freudian regressive therapy. He denounces modern psychiatry and psychology. He denounces all that stuff for true biblical principles. Aren't you glad that some, some of them are, there's some godly men out there with PhDs in psychi- psychology? 
See, th- let me tell you some key differences between the past and the present, how they're different. One is reality and exists now, and one no longer is reality. It's only a memory, and it does not exist, except in your fantasy mind. Right now, we're living... How many of you really believe we're here right now? (laughs) That's because that's reality. How many of you know, last week, how many of you know uh, it isn't last Wednesday night? I'm really glad you understand that. Because that's the difference between believing and living in the now versus living. And you know, last Wednesday night, how many of you know that does not, that no longer exists? But how many of you know you could live in last Wednesday night instead of right now? Then you wouldn't be listening to this wonderful sermon I'm giving you. But see, some people mess up their whole lives by doing that. You know, I use real simple examples of that. I use absurdity to make you think about it. But a lot of people live that way. The difference between the past and the present, one's real and the other one isn't. It doesn't even exist. It used to. I won't argue that with you. It used to exist, but it doesn't exist now. So what are you all bent out of shape about it for? Why are you still thinking about it? Why are you still reveling in it? It doesn't exist anymore. And you're missing out on right now because you're still thinking about that. Get out of there. And say, well, you know, I still need to, you know, I need to go back to when they hurt me and and walk through the forgiveness. That, no, let, let me say, no, you don't. If you have unforgiveness, that's not something that used to be. You're either presently in forgiveness or you're presently in unforgiveness. Whether it was yesterday, two weeks ago, 20 years ago, or a million years ago. It doesn't make any difference. It's what you are in present sta- state and, and present tense and state of mind that you're in right now. You're either presently in forgiveness about yesterday or 20 years ago, whatever it is, or even almost two seconds ago. You're either presently in forgiveness or you're unforgiveness. You're either presently in obedience. Well, I disobeyed the Lord 20 years ago and got out of fellowship. Who cares? What are you right now? Are you in fellowship and obeying the Lord now? Well, no, then repent right now. If you're in fellowship and you're in obedience, then forget about it. Why think about it? If you forgave them, who cares? Forget about the feelings it made you have. Put that away, the Bible says. If you aren't, and it's 20 years ago, then forgive right now. It's an act of your will and watch your feelings respond to it. Amen. A lot of people are living everywhere but in the present tense. They're living all over the place. That bad event that happened to them as a child. That failure they had in high school. That situation that happened last week at work. Still dwelling on it. And the Bible says forget those things. Keep clean. Keep uncluttered. Keep clear-minded. Keep open to all the new stuff that he wants to give and do. Amen. It will, it's the greatest therapy you'll ever have in your life. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Live in the now. That's where salvation is. Live in the immediate. 
That's the appointed time for you to act on anything. Is right now. The devil will take you out of today. And you get, he'll get you back into old offenses, old mindsets. He'll keep the wounds from healing. Keep you in a wild goose chase looking for some crazy thing that you, you, you don't even know what you're looking for. You know, he'll say, how did that problem get in? I say, who cares? And how will I live with this? You don't have to. How do you get out? Live in today. Forgive today. Forget today. Move forward today. Renew your mind today. Start thinking new today. Start acting different today. Start living the way the Bible says to live today. Because you can't, you can't do that tomorrow because you're in today. And you can't do it yesterday because you're in today. So the only time you can do it is right now. That's why now is the appointed time and today is this day of salvation. It's the only time you can do anything about anything in this existence that we're in, is in the here and now. See, the secular mindset wants to get you out of that. And they don't want you to bury the past and forsake the problem. They want you to go back to the problem for the answers instead of forward to the answers to fix the problem. You can go forward to the answers to fix the problem, or you can go back to the problem and think you're going to find the answers. How many of you can see how backwards that is? Don't go back to the problem for the answers. Go forward to the answers to fix the problem. There's all kinds of people going back to the problem thinking they're going to find the answer. Don't go there. Go to the answer, and you'll fix the problem. It's just the opposite. God tells us to crucify the old man. He doesn't say to invite him in for tea and talk about what the problem was. (laughs) So that we can have a resurrection of the new man. You have to crucify the old man before you can have a resurrection of the new man. Being being Christ, he's a new creature. You have to bury what is dead that death may die. You don't look to the past for deliverance. You know, you have to move on to to the present tense for the healing. I'm trying to cut some stuff out here because I'm running out of time. I look to my present covenant with my present Savior for my present healing and my present deliverance. Jesus is my healer right now. He's my deliverer right now. I mean, it's already done, and it's a right now receive it thing. Amen. Well... I'll read that for you. We look to the present covenant with my present Savior for my present healing and my present deliverance. Everything's in the present. He didn't used to be my Savior. He is right now. He didn't used to heal. He heals right now. We're in the covenant with him right now. It's not going to be someday down the road. And I refuse to speak of my past Uh, and the victories of Satan over me. Life has only two categories and two time zones. The present and uh, the past. Well, really three if you want to add the future. Everything falls under two headings. What God accomplished in us and done for us, and what the devil accomplished in us and done to us. And you can look at one or the other. 
You know, in Psalms 9-11, it says, praise is declaring his doings. And you're either going to declare God's doings or you're going to declare the devil's doings in your life. And he inhabits the praises of his people. And you know, the devil inhabits the praises that you spew out of your mouth or God will inhabit the praises about him that you speak out of your mouth. Principle three, in his presence is his fruit. In his presence is fullness of joy. In the devil's presence is fullness of misery. And look at Galatians 5.20, all the works of the flesh. When you talk about your past failures and pain and sickness, you praise the enemy by declaring his victories. And that's always in past tense. Well, some people thought, well, the devil's going to mess me up. I know he is. Some people even take it over into the future and sabotage everything that's coming as well as everything. They've ruined everything in their own past. When you praise him, he comes and inhabits and God departs. How many of you know? And then when you praise God, God comes and inhabits. And when Saul had David sing to him, the evil spirit would depart when the anointing came. How many of you know when you start speaking evil, the devil comes and God departs? Oh, take not your Holy Spirit away from me, David said. And that was fellowship. That wasn't covenant. Amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off right there. I think I got everything. Let's, let's stand up. And let's declare some things real quickly, and then we'll be dismissed. Just say this with me. I'm going to forget those things which lie behind. I'm going to press to the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. And, rem- and say this, I'm going to remember not the former things. And I'm going to make room for the new thing that you want to do. Amen. How many are going to do that? Amen. Let's bow our heads.